You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host, Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Hey, guys, and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review. Plenty to review from last week. This episode, we're going to focus on Jordan Peterson's conversation. As you guys know, as fans of Rogan, Jordan's conversations are complex. There's a lot in there. I was just talking to Todd about this. We're never going to understand it all. We don't need to. Just getting the gist of some stuff. What are the takeaways? A lot of takeaways. A lot mm. of takeaways. My my biggest takeaway, honestly, was just a reminder of if you get structure in your life and if you're responsible and you're honest and you're open-minded. I mean, really, all these stories are about that. All the stories he was talking about that go back to the, you know, the Old Testament are really stories about being a good person. Right. And being responsible and not, you know, taking advantage of your fellow man or your brother. The Cain and Abel story was the one that resonated with me the most because it just shows that whatever spirit you want to call it, whether it's God or not, you know, they, whatever's out there that's going to create good in your life is going it, to, it's really just like the, um, the go giver mentality of, if you do good things to others and you're responsible and you're, you know, you're not screwing people over, all the good things are going to come back to you. It, it really is that simple. I, I think what, what makes kind of Jordan's struggles so real for him in terms of, you know, the, who he pushes back against, um, who, like the policies that he adamantly stands against, it all comes from his understanding of these types of stories and also all of the data that he gets from peer-reviewed psychological journals. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of extrapolates it out. He's like, this isn't just... It seems to be that he's saying that, that some of the lessons that he gives about taking on more responsibility, make your bed, you know, don't be a tyrant, have good conversation, open discourse... You know, it's okay that people don't agree with each other all the time. Freedom of speech. It, it's like this isn't just a path you can follow. It's, it's the path. In a sense. Yeah. Not saying that there is only one way to live. It's not really that. There's lots of nuances to it. But if you don't follow these fundamental X, Y, and Z points that he puts forward, ultimately you just turn into either a liar or a tyrant or – someone that's anxious all the time or depressed and just not working hard or not doing things for others. It's just such a complicated conversation, always. It's hard to keep up with them. Vicious cycle, though. Vicious cycle when you get into that anxiety-ridden, you know, cycle of, oh, I'm not doing good, I'm not doing the right things. That will compound on top of each other. And all of a sudden, you feel like you can't, 
get out of this negative thought process. Well, this is why he calls his book, what is it, The Escape from Chaos or something? Yeah. How to Avoid Chaos? Yep. It's like, it may, that that's a kind of really powerful title and a little bit scary. It's like, yeah, we all have a tendency, if we're not careful with our behavior, to go towards what ultimately becomes chaos or feels like chaos. I think we've all been there, too. It's an uncomfortable feeling. Absolutely. And that's why he was saying there's so many neurotic people out there. It's like we try to fix it with our neuroses. Like we're trying to, you know, whether you're cleaning up the house or you're, you know, this this unconscious effort to manage this deep anxiety that you're having is is being created and is creating this neurotic behavior. A lot of creatives have it. I get it. You know, if you feel like shit, you clean the house. Great. It turns into OCD. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you, you, you're kind of going crazy a little bit, right? But if you stick to a structure and it's a daily thing, maybe you're not going to be so neurotic. Maybe you won't have that tendency to, to you know, have to have everything, you know, perfect. But if Because you're staying on a path of, of just like trying every day to be better, be a little bit better every day. Right. Don't you think it, there's a lot of what he's saying is just like, it's, it's pretty simple, well, I think it's I, I think it's can be boiled down to simple ideas. It's way harder to implement, and right. ultimately, it's not that simple to describe. And I think that's why Jordan always describes things in such incredible detail, pulling on data and these old stories to really kind of cement the idea. In instead of him just saying, "Hey, you should organize your life." and make lists, and have a purpose. He explains why not doing that is so bad. And we all, like all of us do this, I do this too, we just have these tendencies to mask the problem, mm -hmm. right? So you can do that with pharmaceuticals, you can do that with addictions, you can do that with picking kind of a righteous um, pursuit to like really believe in, right? Like let's say you become a, a big environmentalist and you're just like, this is what you worry about all the time. You're always pushing for it. You're always telling everyone what they should do or how they should recycle or use less energy and all the rest of it. However, you're always worried. You're always anxious and your relationships and your house and everything is just a mess because you're, you're reaching far away. Yeah with a problem instead of saying, right, what's wrong with what I'm doing daily? And how are you taking as much responsibility as you can uh, for yourself locally? That's hard to do, man. Especially if your life is a real struggle. You don't want to always look at how it is right in the moment. You want to go down to the pub and have a drink. Forget about it. Yeah, and, and the practice of humility when he when he was talking to Joe about how he's so humble with his podcast and that's really changed over the years too he's really you know gotten this voice of humility and just let the other people explain themselves you know it's really Joe's mind we're watching Joe's mind change through each episode because mm -hmm. he's so open to the ideas that are on the podcast and i think when Jordan's talking about creating this this conference that he's creating he really wants people who are who have that humility and can change their thoughts and aren't stuck to a specific set of ideals or ideologies, um, but are open to change and are open to, you know, thinking that, hey, we maybe we shouldn't 
charge this much for energy. Because if you look at the statistics, if we charge X amount for energy, all of a sudden 350 more people are going to die because they can't afford it. And how is that bettering humanity? Yeah, or encouraging people to use less energy, right, as an environmental benefit. Now, true, maybe there is, but I just got back from England, and I'm telling you right now, what he said about Europe worrying about energy bills is so true from what I can say. And I'm just speaking about England, but I know these prices have gone up in other places. People have in their houses in England these little boxes that measure how much energy you're using at any given point all day long. Wow. And it's like this new app that people kind of obsess over. My mom was drying her clothes and washing her clothes in the middle of the night because the energy price was less. It's cheaper, got it. And they are keeping their house cooler. Now, my parents are in their 70s or about to be, you know? And he's saying that as you drop the temperature in your homes by just a few degrees, if you're much older, you're far more susceptible to respiratory problems. My stepdad, I think, got pneumonia twice last year. Yet they still do this because it's expensive and, you know, they're trying to save some money and also from what they understand, it's good for the environment, Mm -hmm. which is, that's a a good moral standpoint to take, right? Makes them feel good, yeah. But to what cost when it potentially could be affecting their health? It's scary stuff over there, man. Like, we worry here about gas prices and other things and inflation coming up, but we don't feel it like, and I say we, like in America, I live here, I'm a citizen, mm-hmm. you know, yes. we don't feel it like that that other places do. Well, and that, that reminds me of you also saying that in England, a lot of times, or at least in the UK, you notice that people aren't as excited about other success. And they pointed this out about how in America, Jordan points it out, because even in Canada, it's a little bit different than the United States where people aren't striving for success or think that it's a good thing. Um, well, they, they are, and they're doing it themselves, but people don't encourage each other in the same way. Right. right? It's not as, in, as encouraging. Gotcha. He was saying that about uh, when he was talking to people in Eastern Europe, and they really wanted to meet with him and give him their time and discuss what's happening. And they were concerned about like the wokeism here because mm-hmm. you know in their countries— you know, even in the last 50 years, they've had multiple examples of like this kind of tyrannical ideology going through their system. So they're acutely aware of it. And they're like, this is real bad. Because it's demoralizing, right? Well, it just causes problems. Extrapolated out, it's like a lot of control and it just leads to a bad spot, ultimately, if it just grows too big. Yet they still look at the US and a very um, kind of... They like they like the structure. They like how people believe that they can do things themselves and are encouraged to. They and encourage they, it, right? And they encourage other people's success, which is a much smarter way of getting better. I mean, just look at your friend groups. If you've got a friend in your group that doesn't like hearing that you're doing better and then kind of talks some shit about you mm-hmm. and you know ultimately does it about other people that they hear and they're always, woe is me, why can't I do well? That's a problem in your group, even if you like this person. It's way more effective to have a good friend group where everyone's supporting each other and they're not like being jealous of you do get more of that here. The like jealousy, it, yeah. The envy is, is a lot bigger here. No, no, no. No. You don't people think are so? supportive here. I mean it exists, but Yeah, I guess it exists everywhere. I yeah, I I'd never thought about it that way because 
they point out that success should be happiness, but really a lot of people see it as wealth and, um, you know, having, having wealth, having a wife, having a child, there's nothing wrong with all those things that is successful. But I think earlier on, it was a bit contradicting because earlier on they're saying that success is, should be more about happiness and happiness for more than just a small group. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I think the, the, Definition of success needs to change a little bit, and I think Jordan was pointing that out. Right? Definition definition of success should be more. We're trying to help everybody, right? Into yeah. this more hap happiness and happiness for everyone. You know, instead of lowering the prices of, or excuse me, hiring the prices for energy and screwing people over without even really thinking about it. Why not change that ideal so that everyone is creating success for themselves, not just money-wise, but I can have food on my table? He pointed out, like, what, five? if, if you make over $5,000 a, a year, it changes people's lives significantly, and they start thinking about the future instead of everyday, like, struggles? I think that must be worldwide, because you couldn't get very far in the U.S. No, or absolutely most Western not. countries. But, yeah, let's say worldwide you know, you get to like this amount and let's assume it's an average, then yeah, you have a bit of a buffer, right? You can think into the future because you're not just thinking about tomorrow's meal, which I'm sure mm -hmm. a lot of people in the world have to do. Absolutely. So yeah, they're not thinking about infrastructure for their kids or because they just can't. It's not that they don't want to. It's like you've got a problem right in front of you you need to deal with. And that's easy to not think about at all. One thing that they kind of started off with was uh, a little bit about Sam Harris and kind of where he's going with his thinking. They seem to both agree that Sam's kind of gone in a different direction. I don't want to say, you know, is incorrect about some thoughts. I don't know exactly what they were really getting to. I think they might have been talking about a podcast that Sam did about getting the vaccine and mm -hmm. saying that it's a greater good and it needs to be done. And and I think that's kind of where they're diverted, their focus and structure. But it just, I don't know. I didn't get it. I mean, Sam's such a smart guy, too. I wish I knew more about why they're not seeing eye to eye. Well, they didn't explain it. No, they didn't get yeah. into it. I, I think they didn't want to kind of disparage it. What do you think of Jordan's suit, by the way? I want one. Really? Yeah, dude. The half and half. Yeah. Half blue, half red. Did, Fire and water. Remind you of like, uh, who was the guy from Batman? Two Face. Didn't he have like a suit like that? Because like one side of his face was also burnt. Or... I can't remember if the suit was two colors, but his face was definitely yeah <laughs> messed up That's, on one side. It, I don't know. That's just what I was thinking about. I'm like, mm, interesting choice. Smart guy and stylish. The um. The stable alpha in the chimps, that was interesting. That was towards the beginning of you could you could even be the smallest chimp, and you see this with chimpanzees. If you have this tyrannical male who's trying to kill everybody, it's not going to work out for him in the long run, right? You could be the smallest chimp and still have power, but if, if you're making friend groups, right, if you're making friendships with the females, you could still be the smallest one and have this hierarchical... Um, Hierarchy of, um, like a tyrant behavior. Well, what were they saying that that smaller chimp just kind of keeps his head below the radar 
and doesn't upset the well, big Well, he was chimp. saying he was make, making friends with the female, so he has a group that could that could help him if something came up. Like if somebody tries to kick his ass, he has friends to help him out because he's uh, cr- he's created those friendships rather than just being the strongest. He knows he's not the strongest, so he knows he has to make those friend groups, and that can actually rise him to the top. Hmm. In time. Right. Like it's more sustainable because he won't be being attacked all the time. And then they, they talked a lot about the these psychopaths who mimic confidence and it makes you look competent, right? But you're really not competent. Well, to young women, it right? Especially, he was saying. That yeah. one's an interesting one because the, he also said that the competent males that don't have that kind of like psychopathic tendency keep those males in line and that's why there's such a small percentage of them but they're hard to spot four percent four percent of the world are psychopaths that actually seems like a low pretty low it seems like a low number to me really yeah how many psychopaths do you think there are i don't know i mean do you know a hundred people you must know a hundred people of course do you think that four of them are psychopaths absolutely oh damn Let's not name any names. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I can't think. I mean, I know. Yeah, I got. I know some weirdos, but uh, I, I don't. I don't know enough about psychopaths to be able to to say if they are. I mean, you don't really want to go around diagnosing people anyway. That's not really cool. But yeah, ultimately, the most powerful men have the capacity for aggression that aren't psychopathic, and that keeps those psychopaths in line and keeps their numbers down. That was just one note that I had. So thank God for that. I wonder how they do it. Is it just that like other strong men that don't have that tendency can kind of spot these people because of behaviors, lying and probably being a bit of a lunatic? Well, yeah, they get they get thrown out of their friend groups pretty quickly because once you, you know, stab someone in the back more than twice, the, the word gets out, and then you don't want to hang out with this person. So they're continually finding new friend groups to go manipulate. Right, or moving. Or moving to a different place mm-hmm. and finding, again, finding new friend groups and pretending to be someone they're not until they get found out again. Just tricking people and moving on. I guess that would have been way harder to do way back in the day when you've just got your tribe. Because mm-hmm. if a new person just walks into the village, you're going to be very suspicious of who that person is. And maybe it was much harder in the past for psychopaths to survive. I think maybe now it's might be easier. Because they can, right? Go get a new job. Go get new friends. Get a new girlfriend. Mm. Do whatever they do. It's scary shit. Well, All right. So <laughs> let's get into the, the, the crux of it. So he's getting... Jordan is getting... Um, well, he has a lot of heat on him and they want him to go do a re-education in what was it? Social media. Yeah. He, well, they, that, and also I thought was crazy this. They wanted, um, to listen to Joe Rogan's, the, one of the podcasts that he did with him. I don't know if it was the last one or two times ago when he was on, they recorded the whole thing. They have the transcripts of it. Yeah. And they're like using that against them too. It they're seems just like scared. a bad system because like if you're in small town Bozeman, for example, and you're a psychologist like he is, and you get 15 complaints over three or four years, well, that's quite a lot of complaints. 
And there probably should be a system in place to examine these complaints, see where they came from, and say, okay, this is a lot of complaints. We need to bring you in for re-education in order to keep your license because the licensing body has a standard of behavior and it seems like you're outside of it. However, if you're a freaking Jordan Peterson and you've got 20 million plus people that follow you and you're like well-known in the world, then to have X amount of complaints, even from people that you don't know, I mean, they can just come from anywhere. You and I could complain about him just because we know who he is and we don't like what he's saying. Well, you kind of need to put that in perspective of his overall reach, right? Because obviously you're going to get loads more complaints because you just you have a way wider reach. So does this he's never had a complaint for 20 years, mm-hmm. right? That is something that people should pay attention to. Of that's course. that's good, right? Well, and just because you don't like what he's saying doesn't mean you can just ostracize him and kick him out of his profession. Yeah, he's had some tweets that are controversial, but he's trying to make strong points that have meaning. He's not just like putting up fluff on his social media. Like, look, I ate a steak today. No offense, Joe. I do love those steak pics that he puts up. <laughs> but, you know, you think about it. It's like the content is already set up to be somewhat controversial. And that's just kind of how it is. So it's going to upset some people especially when it pushes against certain ideologies, I mean, it's going to upset. Like, it's it's definitely going to rile people up. So anyway, he's not doing it. He doesn't believe that these monitoring bodies are backed in real data. And what's to say re-education is going to change the way that he thinks anyway? Of course it's not. It's you not. can't force Jordan to do stuff that he doesn't believe in. You know, you really can't force many people. I well, did I did like what they were saying about the like having their protections. You know? I mean I have friends that work in government jobs and they do well there, but they have to be careful what they say. They can't be blog posting a bunch of stuff or getting outlandish with ideas on social media because even in the US they the, the, it could affect their job. Of course. Yet if Jordan has these multiple income streams and really is like achieved escape velocity, which which Rogan likes to reference, which is a cool saying, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it doesn't matter. He's fighting for his license because he worked hard for that and he believes in it and he thinks that this is wrong. Of course. However, it's not going to crush him even under multiple lawsuits. I mean, think how many copies his books have sold. And Joe, in a sense, is in the same place. He was already wealthy and successful in different areas before he made the podcast. And now this is, I would imagine, his biggest income stream, or it's up there. And you could still take that away from him, even though the type of media that it is, it would be hard to remove him from it. But let's say you even did. He's still really wealthy. He doesn't need to change his ideas to pander to people. Well, it's the it's he was saying his friend, who is also a colleague of his, maybe a colleague in the past, and has a lot of money but only has one source of revenue, can't go out on a limb and talk truthfully because he is scared of his job. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why, you know, people like Joe and and Jordan are speaking out because they can. And, And I think they're speaking for other people that can't as well. 
Absolutely. This is where it gets scary. So few people have the position that they have and the resources to be able to speak out for this. So ultimately, even though they may have a narrative that's valuable and they're pushing towards it for ultimate good for society, just because of the factors that it takes to do that, there's not going to be that many people that can. Only a few can do that because they're privileged enough to do it. So like the average social pressure is always going to be on the end of the groups of people that can become really woke or go down that avenue and they're just following the current and getting a lot of momentum and no one's really hitting back at them. They're only getting encouraged. It's yeah. like that's a it's a big force to work towards and look how powerful it is now. It's coming for Jordan. Isn't trying that, to take his license. Yeah, isn't that what he's working against and trying not to have happen? Yeah. Because it's creating from his perspective, it's creating a lot of men who don't have a vision of a good future. You know, you talk wokeism and environmentalism, you know, personally, I used to be really scared about the environment. I still I still am, but now that I have a child, I'm so focused on my kid. Before I had a child, I was scared that something bad was going to happen. I I didn't want to have a kid because I thought maybe the world, you know, would end or maybe not end, but just was going to be so full of pollution and ravaged by um, you know, these tyrants that he talks about. It it scared me. But once I have a once I've had a child and I start thinking about what his needs, all that other stuff kind of goes away. But I, but it's because I have something to think about. I have a, I have another person that I have to take care of. So I have this strong connection with someone that I need to be a father to. These younger kids don't have that. They they don't want to have children. They don't want to have a girlfriend. He's talking a lot about kids not having this this vision of a better future. So it makes them just sit in their bed all day and, and be depressed. And if they do go out on a limb, they're, they're going to be, you know, having, um, you know, uh, an ideal like Greta, you know, somebody to look up to like Greta Thornburg. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it might not be the full truth of everything of, of what needs to be said. It might be, you know, just a vision that they think is correct, but really it's putting them off in another direction that might not sustain them as well as just having a vision on a day-to-day basis of this is who I need to protect. These are, you know, these are my family members. These are my peers that I look up to instead of having this, you know, one person that they can look towards as this savior for them, right? They Like they've gotten rid of, it's a godless society is really what it comes down to. And I don't care if you believe in one God or no God at all. Having, having this godless society, I think Jordan is realizing it's just, it's creating a lot of confused and lost individuals. And that took me a while to get to, but really, really that <laughs> it, it's creating a confusion within people. And there's no, there's no, ideal to look up towards anymore people are just lost well it's a tough one because if you even look back over the last 25 years 
of environmental films. You know, and the first big one was, um, who was the vice president of Clinton? Al Gore. Mm-hmm. He made one. And it was basically like in 10 years, we're going to be underwater. And then they've had another one that did the same thing. So it's like constantly making us very worried about where that's going. Ultimately, we're not underwater right now. We're having an effect, but it's a problem. And then they also throw out that there's too many people. There's always that thing about too many people. And it might be looking like maybe there's not enough people, or at least in the generations that we need to replace, you know, as people get older and retire, where's the new workforce? Where's the people to support them? You know, China's having, going to have an issue with that real soon. So it's just kind of like these narratives of like, yeah, you can't, don't have kids. There's too many people. Mm-hmm. Or you you as an individual are too much of a burden on the environment just by the use of you existing. So what do you have to strive towards? What is your focus? Like it's not encouraging people to be like, right, let's get married. Let's have a bunch of kids. Let's create this wonderful family. Let's work hard, you know. Let's expand on the uses. It's like you've got to feel guilty about so much of the stuff that you do. And this idea, like you were saying right then, that's not uncommon either. Like what kind of world are we bringing this kid into? And this is Mm -hmm. putting people off having kids. Well, what kind of world do you think you have? It's way better than 1850 when most of the world was like starving. Right. Like we're living longer. Things work. We got great technology. We'll figure it out. I mean the air – is cleaner in California than it was in the 90s because of better catalytic converter technology. There's more cars. They're probably burning more fuel, but it's it's cleaner because they have technology that fixed it. Technology will fix a lot of these things. Yeah, hopefully it fix, fixes the acidity in the ocean. That's, that's the one that is hard to get over for me. I don't know how we're going to change that, but, you know, maybe we'll do it when, it, when all the fish are beyond... <laughs> Um, extinction or close to extinction, maybe we'll, then we'll change it, right? Well, what did they say in that last podcast? They the said it would take eight, eight years. Yeah, eight years. And and we could probably save these species. Also, look at the ozone layer. That was a big problem in the 80s. Mm-hmm. We banned all those CFCs, um, the fluorohydrocarbons or whatever they were. Yeah, chlorofluorocarbons. Yeah, yeah, CFCs. And, they, and now the ozone layer is rapidly repairing itself like that's human intervention that we could do we can do a lot of these things in time it gets rid of an apocalyptic mindset which is just yeah it's just a horrible mindset to have let's think about what we can do to change things instead of we're screwed and it's causing depression within everyone because everyone just thinks we're screwed i think the tricky thing is is like we go right at the problem right so we're directly going at the environmental one we're like let's fix all this stop using everything turn your heat down don't use power let's try and ultimately though the third world countries that are struggling to survive feed themselves and therefore be able to think 10 20 years ahead because they don't have that $5000 right they're really booster, boostering, boasting, whatever, <laughs> making grow larger their own economy, which is often with big factories and industry and ultimately a lot of pollution without a ton of regulation because they are not in a position to have regulation that stifles it. They're trying to bring up their overall economy because they want to be wealthier. You try and persuade a person starving to death that he needs to... You know, to, to not burn coal. 
Right. Or wood. or So it seems like a better way of focusing on ultimately cleaning the environment is to get as many people out of poverty as we can, which we are doing. We're, every year there's like less people that are hungry and less people that don't have water. I mean, obviously more people are being born and born into being poor, but ultimately a lot of poor countries from around the world are getting pulled out of this each year, which once people have that baseline, I would assume that $5,000 that he's talking about, then they can across the board start thinking of the future because they want to. They want to think about the next generation and what we can do to make it work. That That's probably a better way of going about it. But we just love fighting. We love fighting about it. You can't speak out about these types of ideas sometimes. You know, you can't even... What did Jordan do? He tweeted something about Trudeau that uh, a conservative politician had already tweeted out. I mean, he just forwarded it. And that counts against him. That was somebody who worked for Trudeau, right? I can't remember. Yeah. I think it was someone that was from the opposite party that didn't like something that he said. Well, we should probably talk about his conference that he's starting, right? Yeah. The um, the spirit, what did he say about it? The, he, he, he brings a lot of biblical references, but he's talking about the spirit that walks with, your, with you unselfconsciously through your garden. Mm. That's what we want. That's when anxiety goes down and we feel at peace, right? And he referenced that with Adam and Eve, and then he goes into... Um, you know, if you do things as bravely and as consciously as you can, you get that that spirit that will guide you, right, without thinking about this apocalyptic mindset and really getting a bunch of people together that have this mindset of success being happiness for the world, not just for a few tyrannical leaders that are going to take over and tell us what to do and create this new world order or the what the guy who says we should all eat crickets oh, yeah. is the guy yeah god uh or you'll own nothing and be happy yeah that guy that whole thing Immense. the world economic forum right yeah, isn't that yeah, yeah. the guy from there mhm so creating something that doesn't have a that the overall goal is to help others rather than to control others what is the ultimate goal? Uh, like, how far do you think that that can go? Like, let's say he puts this together. Let's say the the conferences are successful and people are into them, and then they're live streaming them or whatever, and th- this is how the information gets out. Ultimately, what can he do with it? Well, he can get a bunch of like-minded people or people that are open-minded and we'll see what happens. I mean, that's the point of putting a bunch of really fucking smart people together. It's like a re-education tool, like separate to our standard media. Yeah, and speaking truth and having it backed by, hopefully, by science and statistics, which is, you know, something he's always followed. Some logic. Well, logic was, that was the Yahweh and Logos means logic, right? Spirit of Yahweh and Logos is really the spirit of logic. That there's an intrinsic universe and it's all an intrinsic order in the universe. 
And that order is the logic or the logos. And that's what we should be following is order and, you know, having that guidance of we are part of this world together, but we can live together with this world. And I think technology will help that instead of this apocalyptic mindset of the world is going to crush us and we're all doomed. Then what is there to live for? Yeah. I mean, there's always problems, right? Nothing's ever going to be perfect, but it seems to be moving in the direction of order. Like things are more organized. And maybe we're just getting bored now because it's too easy to live. Uh, that's probably true. <laughs> At least from, yeah, a lot of people, there's, yeah, you, you can sit around and watch TV all day and, and, get bored as hell. Yeah, indeed, you're mid-30s while living at your parents' house. <laughs> and, you know, that's not going to make you feel good. Like, sure, you didn't have to take on a ton of responsibility and you could still have a lot of fun, but it's ultimately it's going to be a struggle. This is why so many people are, are drawn to Jordan, I think. It's because, you know, he, even though it's scary to hear, like, more responsibility will make you feel better. So much better. It's important to hear it and then test that a little bit at a time. Whether you just start cleaning your room or just making a bit of a list or making a plan for the future and then following that for a year and being like, wow, my life really changed. Like, I, I got that job and then in a few months I could get an apartment and now I don't live with my parents and... Oh, now I got a girlfriend. And yeah, it's more responsibility. In a sense, it's harder, but super fulfilling. But that's success, though, is like this advocation for more responsibility in each other is really the ultimate goal. In, in Jordan's mind is to have this advocation for responsibility, right? Yeah. That's what he's advocating. And as soon as you do that, that's going to gets you out of this hole of thinking that everything's bad and this chaos in your mind that's creating anxiety and depression and multiple personalities and neuroticism and you know these negative things are happening because we are not responsible for ourselves in this small smaller way this this um not a worldwide view, but a, a local view Yeah, of we can help each other locally and, and bring each other up locally instead of thinking that we have to change the world. I think that's why when I had a kid, it, my, my mindset changed so much. It's like now I'm thinking locally. It's, it's, I'm thinking how can I help my kid in this environment that he's in within our community? I'm not thinking, oh, my God, I got to save the planet or the world's going to end. It's more... I got to advocate for my child and be responsible for him and then, you know, put him on the path of responsibility and not have him think that the world is, is a scary, too scary of a place, right? It's kind of a strange irony to the recent rise in anxiety and depression. And they often correlate it around the time that, you know, the iPhone was made or like social media got big. And maybe that's a part of it. Maybe that's a lot of the part of it. But Again, as we've talked about, life potentially, at least in the West, where we're not having a war at home and it's much easier to survive than it has been in the past, 
you would think that people should inherently be much happier because of that. Because, oh, look, you know, I can survive now. Like, we're not struggling to... How many people do you know that are, like, malnourished, right, from their food? In in the sense of, like, they can't afford to get, like, basic calories into themselves. Not many. None. Yeah. Basically none. Like, and that was kind of unheard of. Like, a hundred years ago, I'm sure you'd know a few people. You know, even if you were okay yourself, you'd know a few that were really struggling. You know, very basic housing. They don't make a lot of money and, you know, they're living on mostly potatoes and a, a little bit of meat, but it's not really enough. And we're so far from that now that we just, you know, a lot of people are just sat around going, well, what, what are we doing? Where, where are we going towards? What are we supposed to be thinking about? And they feel terrible and they're bullying each other online and giving each other a hard time. We're just feeling conscious, like always anxious. Mm-hmm. We know a lot of people like that. For sure. And we've experienced it ourselves. Of course we have. And still do at times. And ultimately, I think that's some of the hardest parts of feeling down on yourself. It's like when you look around, you're like, yeah, it's fine. It's all good. We're going to survive. But you're still worried. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it happens because, like you said, we're, we're too comfortable. We're not getting out there like Abraham and striving to you know, suffer, suffering from our own adventures. Suffering is too hard these days. It's too much of a struggle. It's like everyone's scared to suffer now. Nobody wants to feel bad, but we're feeling bad from not suffering. That's the ironic part of it. Mm -hmm. We actually feel like shit from sitting around doing nothing when if we got out there in the world and suffered a little bit and tried a little harder and failed a little bit more, we would actually feel better about ourselves because at least we're trying. It's like resilience is a lot lower. So when life does throw a hurdle at you, which it will, it's always going to hit you with something, your your resilience is so low because you haven't been testing it or like really strengthening that muscle, building that resolve, that it seems like every time life throws anything at you, you can't recover. It's like you're barely able to keep up with those challenges, let alone create struggle for yourself. It's so hard to get ahead of it. But that's a lot of what Jordan talks about and Joe. For sure. Joe's saying, get out there. Get that work in. Do it. Life's coming for you. Be ready. People don't like to think like that. They like to hide away from it. I get that too. It's hard. Especially if you've had a tough life growing up. Because, you know, you're kind of maybe always in the thought process of of scarcity. Mm -hmm. And you you barely can keep up. So how the hell are you going to get more resilience out of that? It's not easy. A lot of trauma out there for sure. But how do you face that? You you have to face it mm-hmm. or yeah. else it's going to get worse. It's going to hit you hard. It's it's those little elements, you know? I think that's the responsibility end that um, Jordan is always talking about. Yeah, voluntarily bearing the catastrophe of their own lives. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah, you have to volunteer yourself to 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 go through that darkness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, bear the catastrophe of your life. Life is not easy, and and I think a lot of overbearing parents are not realizing they think they're helping their kids by protecting them, but really that protection is creating these men and women who are are scared. 
Well, that's what he said about the, the devouring mother. Right. That was a scary little tale. Hansel and Gretel, right? Mm-hmm. And this devouring mother is overbearing and doesn't want her offspring to grow up because somehow she'll lose her power and value. Well, it's it's selfishness on the mother. Yeah. Really. Not it's, good. It's, she's not doing it for the kids. She's doing it for herself to feel better. Right. And ultimately, it's creating a child who can't fend for themselves. How many people do you think are out there doing that? So many. That's horrible. I think that I think it's a huge, huge problem. And you know, just because of the nature of what it sounds like, they're not going to take responsibility for it. You couldn't even call them out for it. They'd have a hundred reasons why that's not what they're doing, and they're actually protecting everybody. Yet they're just continuing the cycle. Well, and and they say you become weak and insecure, but that in, that insecurity, you were saying it earlier, it turns into bitterness and anger and resentfulness. You, you become resentful, and then ultimately you may become dangerous from this yeah. because you're just upset all the time, right? That That weakness and that insecurity is creating anxiety, it's creating resentment, and then anger, and then potentially a dangerous situation where people are just at each other's throats. Like you're saying, instead of building people up, we're just tearing others down because we don't know how else to, to function. It's almost, it's like this, this, this thing that happens when you, when you don't feel like you have the, the power in yourself to change things, you just get mad at everybody, everything around you. Blame others. Yeah. That's what's happening. Right. There's a lot of that, for sure. Look, this podcast, obviously, and I'm talking about Rogan and Jordan's one, obviously, is is heavy. There's a lot in there. It's a long conversation. It's worth listening to a few times. I know we did and did our best to make sense of it. I always look at these conversations or any ones on Rogan or really anything I hear. It's like, what, what can I take away from it that will improve my life? What's useful? What's good information and what traps should I stay away from? What looks ugly? And you can't always know it. I mean, someone like Jordan is incredibly intelligent. You can't understand what he knows. But he's good at speaking. And he breaks it down and kind of dumbs it down, honestly. So that, you know. You think Jordan dumbs it down? Well, for when he's speaking like this, yeah. I'm sure when he talks to other, you know, high-level intellectuals, he doesn't have to have such kind of like simple storytelling patterns. I think that's why he goes back to like Pinocchio and Beauty and the Beast and these different stories because we know them. So even though we just saw them as cartoons that were fun, we're now like, oh, I know that story. Oh, that's why that meant this. Mm -hmm. It helps it kind of get in your head so you can apply these things yourself. Or even if you're not able to apply them, at least understand, you know, the the greater picture of what it means. It's a tough one, but I liked it. I'm glad Jordan was back. He didn't seem as angry this time. He seemed a bit more relaxed. I hope that he can battle the storm through this one and get some, you know, kind of credit instead of, like he said, just being attacked for the last seven years. It's a, he, yeah, he's got famous. He's got very rich. But it's been a hell of a battle for him. It's taken a toll on this guy. Yeah, but look what he's doing. He's creating more and more things to to 
push him in the right direction and hopefully others follow. Yeah, they haven't canceled him yet. We'll see what he can do. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Make of it what you will. I hope that you got a lot out of Jordan's conversation and uh, made as much sense of it as you could. I know Todd and I struggled with it, but we get what we can. All right, guys, take it easy. Later. 